blessed line there. All right, let's turn in your Bibles uh, to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. And then after we read our text uh, for our lesson this morning, um, we will... uh, We'll do some backtracking in our, just fill in some gaps from last week, and then get to this subject. 1 John 4, 7 and 8, or just verse 8, 1 John 4, 8, this is a popular one, right? He that loves, he that loves not, knows not God. For God is love. God is love. So, uh, just backtracking a little this week, we're going to get to this subject of God being love in a second. Uh, but I'll, I'll, we, we, there was a section here in Frame's Systematic Theology that we're using as a springboard to talk, where, we're, where he ended talking about God's decrees. Uh, and he, he got into some stuff about about the uh, what you would call the, call the maybe the order salutis, the order of salvation. The or, but in this this specific thing is about the order of decrees. Uh, and there is a theological discussion, um, a deeper theological discussion, and one that one, one that I'm afraid is just ends up being a lot of nonsense about the decrees of God and the order in which he decrees. And you may hear these terms at some point, if you, if you sit around theological circles at least, the difference between supra-lapsarians, what I, supra, I'm just wanting to pronounce that, but you've got supra-lapsarianism versus infra-lapsarianism, and he gets into a lengthy discussion about this. I don't think it's going to be edifying for us uh, but basically, I did want to just kind of touch on what those are, if you ever have uh, questions about them. And the difference is, is did God, uh, did God elect people before He, or decree to elect the salvation, this elect those that are saved? Uh, to give them divine blessings before he decreed that there would be a fall or after. <laughs> now you can see how that's just splitting hairs, right? Um, and and really, the, 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 I didn't think this discussion in and of itself would be would be edifying. And it's really going to get into the problem of evil, which you and I are going to discuss a lot more as we start discussing God's attributes. So we have covered now God's acts. And we've talked about that in four different areas. Uh, creation, providence, miracles, and decrees. Those are the acts of God in the Bible uh, as far as... Act, uh, and that covers the whole realm of those. And I hope that's been edifying to you, and I know it's been edifying to me throughout this. We're now going to talk about God's... Not His actions but his attributes. 
All right? You've heard of the attributes of God. And I, I really like how Frame sets this up where he talks about the acts of God because we know God from his acts. Um, but by narrating his acts, by his, by, uh, the Scripture teaches us in three ways um, about God. By narrating what God does, his acts, uh, then giving an authoritative description of him, by, and then describing the best they can the inner life of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit uh, uh, in that relational nature of the Trinity. And we have a lot of description of that, especially in the Gospels, uh, some description uh, in the Old Testament as well. So this is the second part. So the Bible narrates as Acts, and that's what we talked about. Now God is uh, giving us authoritative descriptions of God. So it is attributing a truth to be so about God. Um, so that's what, that's what we have here in 1 John uh, 4. God is love. We're not describing an act. We're, descri- we're, we're, we're running to a description of His character, His nature. That is what we mean by uh, acts. So, so th- this is what we're going to deal with now. An author- we, we say an authoritative description because this is God's revelation of himself. God is declaring in himself in the scripture what he is like. And th- that, 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 that's, that's a good thing because, because we, we are not just sitting here like philosophers trying to work our way up to an understanding of God using our own minds. Uh, we can be like Descartes and say, I think, therefore I am, so therefore I can reason up to the existence of the God of the Bible. But, you can, but, but, but that's so faulty because someone like Leibniz or, 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 uh, can start, no, that's not the right one, uh, Spinoza, uh, someone, the, the philosopher for Spinoza can start with the same criteria of, of epistemology and things of that and come up with some pantheistic idea of God. So we're not left to ourselves trying to reason about God, but God has told us what he is like. Amen? <laughs> so, so we have a firm foundation to, dis- to talk about God by ascertaining what does God say about himself. And this is the most popular thing here. God is love. That is attributing a truth about God. Uh, So there is a subdivision here about descriptions. And uh, we've already really dealt with this, or frame release already dealt with this in, in this study of systematic theology. But we have the names of God. The name reveals something about the nature. We've already talked about the name Yahweh, right? So uh, that describes something about God. Uh, that describes uh, that describes His eternal nature. We have words like Elohim that we've already talked about, or or uh, compound terms like El Shaddai, which means God Almighty. And you, we, we, we've already kind of talked about those things a little bit. Um, and, and we're going to touch on them a little bit more. But there was, so we've already learned something by, by talking about his names. But we also um, not only have his names, but his images. 
There is imagery that we, you and I have ran into. What are some of the images that we've talked about so far? Well, we talked about him being a king. There's, there's an image of God and this idea of kingship. Uh, shepherd, light, shield, father. These are all images that, are, that, we, that, that tell us something about God and about his nature. But these are not what we necessarily are wanting to talk about now. What we're wanting to talk about is, is this idea of attribute, attributing something. We're attributing a truth about God by saying a positive by saying in a positive way, God is this. Not by way of analogy like king or shepherd, but by way of actual attribution. So, an attribute, I want to talk about what, what, what is an attribute. An attribute is a concept expressed either by an adjective... Or a noun. So we're not talking about images, we're now talking about concepts. And they're concepts that are, are, uh, are expressed by either an adjective or a noun. So an adjective would be something like good. God is good. He's a good God. Uh, and it's, so it's, it's using that adjective now as a predicate and using that adjective to predicate something about God. God is good or God is eternal. <laughs> Those are adjectives that we use, but they are used as predicates to describe God. A noun is a person, place, thing, <laughs> right? A noun like eternity or something like that. So, so we can use, use these nouns or adjectives to describe God. Uh, the Bible uses many of, of these, and we've already just read one. He's love, but we can also say he's righteous. God is righteous. God is merciful. God is gracious. God is, uh, God, God is all-knowing and things of that nature. These are, are, are uh, predicates of God. Uh, they are describing, they are, are attributing truths about him. There are also things that are not necessarily described in words in the Bible. So we have a positive declaration in the Bible, God is love. That is a declared truth in the Scriptures. But there are undeclared truths that we, that we uh, are not specifically mentioned in Scripture, but we deduce from the pages of Scripture, such as God is simple. Not saying that not 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 saying that he's uh, uneducated, but God is simple. He he is undivided. We don't have three gods or a one God. Uh, there is one nature of the true God, and he cannot be divided into separate things, uh, uh, dependent upon one another. Because God is God is completely independent in his nature. Uh, immensity, God's greatness, uh, aseity, a uh, personality, things of this nature. They're not specifically mentioned, but when we read the Scripture, we come up with the truths. That God is, God is say, He is independent. Uh, it doesn't say that directly in Scripture, but we do have that attribution where it says, where Paul says, He has need of nothing. Or Psalm 50, uh, the, 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 uh, those are things that we deduce from Scripture. 
There are different ways in which uh, we can talk about attributes, and I'm just giving a a a uh, introduction to the idea of attributing something to God or talking about His attributes. Um, some will talk about um, some will talk about necessary attributes. What do we mean by necessary attributes? Some will call this defining attributes. Uh, so necessary by necessary, we're saying that uh, things uh, that they are necessary. That if they lacked this, if God lacked this thing, He would not be God. So uh, if God lacked knowledge, He would not be God. Perfect knowledge, that is. If God lacked eternity, eternality, He would not be God. We, were, we would see, if we were talking about a God that is not eternal, we are no longer talking about the God of the Scriptures, right? Uh, so when Mormons knock on your door and say, I want to talk to you about God, they don't mean the same thing. Their, their God lacks something that makes God God. Does that make sense? Uh, so these are defining things. And then there are others uh, that are not necessary that are what we would call relative attributes. And what do we mean by relative? We mean they're not defining attributes, they're not necessary to him being God, but they exist as attributes of God because he created something outside of himself. Uh, For instance... I am a son of God, so God is my father. We could say that he is the father of Jason Tackett. Amen? <laughs> All right. So, uh, but Jason Tackett didn't have to exist. That attribute, that, that thing that I'm attributing to God here is not necessarily true, but it's true because he created me. It's true because he saved me. He is my God. He is my father. He is, and, and so on and so forth. These are... These are uh, relative attributes. Uh, In this sense, the idea of Lord uh, is a relative attribute. And I want to be careful about this. (laughs) Uh, In the sense that without servants, he would not be called Lord. If he did not create then he would not be called Lord. Uh, the, within, uh, unless you're going to argue that there, that there is some kind of uh, authority uh, within the Trinity itself, uh, which some, some may argue as far as eternal subordination of the Son uh, and not describe that only in terms of the Incarnation, uh, that he willingly, the Son willingly became obedient uh, by becoming incarnate. But the immediate, but when he immediately creates something, he's Lord over it. <laughs> so, so we can argue whether or not Lord is a necessary or a relative attribute, but it's true of God. He is Lord. So th- th- these are a couple different ways that people, or th- this is uh, one way in which we talk about attributes uh, of God. Um, so... Uh, 
as we saw in his acts, uh, frame says, so, so he, does, he does what he does because when we're talking about his attributes, I'm sorry, my mind just went blank. Uh, whatever his attributes are, they are showing him in relationship to us to be Lord. So every one of his, ad, of his attributes are going to show in our relationship to him his lordship over us. Um, from his acts, we learned about his nature, his attributes, uh, and therefore his attributes set forth the nature of his, lord, his lordship, said frame here. They describe his lordship from various perspectives. So when we're talking about his attributes, we're going in this study... Uh, to talk about how they manifest him to be Lord over us in those same ideas, his lordship attributes, control, authority, and presence. So there are other ways in which people will classify his attributes, not, not just necessary and relative, but also, and I'm gonna get to, I want to hurry up and get this done so I can talk about him being love. <laughs> All right, I want to get to the good stuff, right? But people, people also talk about, uh, have talked about before, um, the difference between communicable communicable, and non-communicable. Anybody got an idea what this means? We have the word communicating in there, right? Communion. So what do we mean by communicable? This is a kind of a Presbyterian idea of the attributes. Communicable means um, that there are attributes of God that man can share, like intelligence or something to that. Or, and there are things about God that are only true about God. So this is a different way of almost talking about the same thing, necessary or relative, but it's approaching it from a different perspective. But I think, I think uh, Frame's right here when he says the, the, these ideas get a little murky when we talk about them. Uh, for instance, I cannot love like God loves. Amen? <laughs> I can't. He, he, he loves in a way he has a divine love. Any kind of love I show is, 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 uh, is in and of itself inferior to that love in which God has shown. I can never measure up. In that. Even the intelligence I have or, or things of that nature are not. God's thoughts are not my thoughts. Uh, I, I, know sm- I know in this very, very specific frame. But what knowledge and love I do have are things that I derive from God. Uh, so you, this gets a little bit murky when we're talking about that. So, so, uh, so I, I think these can help us, and you'll hear if you read a lot of commentaries, uh, you're going to run into the idea of necessary versus relative, not communicable versus non-communicable, but that's not necessarily uh, a dichotomy that we're going to get directly from the scriptures. Uh, the scriptures are not there for um, are trying to classify his attributes in any, in any certain way. They are just declaring God to be this. And then we turn to another place and it declares God to be that. Uh, 
So, uh, I'm not going to take time to talk about uh, the way that specifically frame is going to classify. Uh, I, throughout the study, it's reasonable for us to say this. Uh, we're always going to come back, back to the idea of our relationship to God. And when we're talking about his love, we are talking about that with the understanding of his lordship, his power, his control, his authority, and his presence. So, now sometimes, now where do we start? You always have to have a starting point. And for our study, the starting point is, is going to be the ethical attributes. Uh, things that we talk about with his ethical nature, love, goodness, righteousness, and holiness. A lot, of the time, a lot of times when you're studying systematic theology or theology in general, they're going to start with things like power, his authoritative, not his, his, not his ethical attributes, but his authoritative, his, the power of God, the eternality of God, the omnipotence of God. Um, but uh, but uh, it's not necessarily where, where we're going to start. So, there are there are things the scriptures when are going to spend more time talking about those things that are more within the ethical range god is love god is light god is holy these are going to be by far the greatest descriptions of him and even when we get to god is merciful these are these are things that are by far declared uh more prevalently than any uh, anything else. The, the side, so when we hear, let's go back here to our text. Uh, when it says God is love, then then we're all, we're saying here that this is something so true, so basic to His nature um, that that that. Uh, that, that it almost is like becomes the bedrock for our understanding of God. And, and, and I'm, I'm good with it. And I know that there's a lot of people that distort this, right? God is love, and therefore a loving God would, would accept this and accept that sin and accept that sin and accept that sin. And, and, and it's, but, but we should not shy away from that and say, well, I'm not going to talk about God being love because it's been so... No, this is a bedrock character of God. God is, His nature definitively is love. Love in its truest, perfect sense. So we're going to spend a little bit unpacking that in various ways. When we know that God is love and understand fully what that means, said Frame, then we know what God really and truly is. And that's not saying love is God. <laughs> that's not the way this works. This is not, this is not a, a saying both sides of this, uh, of this predicate are equal to one another, that God equals love as if God is this emotion floating around. No, God in his nature defines love. Does that make sense? All right, so in the first, I, in the first thing we want to talk about then is not love. It is love. But this idea that God is good, this is under the heading of his love, God 
is good. God is goodness. So we're working up our way, our understanding, uh, an understanding of what it means to, to say God is love. We're going to have to start by saying God is good and work our way up. Uh, the broad, uh, his love is a broader is a broader concept of his good, or the broader concept of his goodness flows from uh, flows into this idea of God being love. Uh, goodness includes love, and it includes other things, uh, such as grace. When we talk about God is good, God is gracious. When we talk about God is good, God is patient. When we talk about God is good, God is kind. Uh, God is merciful. God is just. These are all ideas that flow from the goodness of God. So God is good. We can all agree about that, right? Uh, we, we use that term all the time, God is good, and you'll say all the time <laughs> or something, something to that effect. We, 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 we have uh, certain, certain, uh, uh, certain euphemisms that we use to talk about this. So what do we mean as we work our way up to this, wor- this idea that God is love in his very nature? Uh, this, is a, this is part of that concept. Um, it's very general. This is a very general act adjective, Right? This is a general truth about God. Turn, if you will, to Matthew 5. It'll be easy to find because it'll be the very last verse of Matthew 5. Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount. Be ye therefore perfect. Even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Well, what, but what do we mean by perfect here? Well, let's go back a couple verses. Ye have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. What a terrible thing to say. All right. That's, you can love these people and you can hate these people and still be right with it. That's neither here nor there. But but I say unto you, love your enemy. So this is a broader, so there's the, there's the specific statement. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them that despitefully use you, that you and persecute you, that you may be children of your Father which is in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends his reign on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do you not, do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute to the, your brother and only, what do you more than others? Do they, not even the publics? Be therefore perfect. So this idea of doing good is 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 uh, encapsulated in this idea of the perfection of God. So we describe something that is good. What do we mean when we say God is good? Well, we mean we mean He's excellent. All right, or here perfect. Uh, we're, we're talking about the excellency of something. Um, we, 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 could, we could say uh, 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 beauty and, or uh, goodness and cl- is, can be described as not only being excellent, but also being beautiful, being valuable. Um, that's a good racehorse or a good dog. <laughs> All right. 
these are different ways we use the word God. Uh, practically useful. Um, uh, that's a good tool for the situation. Uh, skillfulness. Uh, he is a good mechanic. Uh, those, those are different way, ways we use the word good. Uh, anything that evokes a favorable response we, we call good. In theology, though, we're focusing on a moral quality. God is good. But there are other kinds of goodness, but in theology, that's what we focus on. Uh, we're, 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 not, we're not just, uh, we're, we're, we're talking about, we're talking about the moral excellence of God as displayed in his acts. Um, so we can use it in a non-moral sense. Like, for instance, I've talked about someone being a, uh, a good mechanic or, or someone being a, uh, a good pianist. They play the piano very well. Uh, that's, that's not saying they're morally excellent. Like, that, like they're, they, Someone can be very immoral and play the piano or, or be a mechanic and, or things of that nature. So we're not using the word good like that about God. Um, good can be used for inanimate objects, but that's not what, what we mean when we talk about God. Uh, non-moral go- goodness is, is, is this idea something is good for something else, and there, we would never talk about God in that way. Um, we, can, we can, in a sense, draw that from an analogy. We talk about uh, uh, God having good ends, uh, and God uses the word good like that, right? He, he created the day. He separated the, so the light from the darkness. He called the light, light uh, day and in, in, the, in the darkness night. And he said the light is good. Uh, it, 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 it performs this function and, and, and it's good for something. It's good for what it created it for. So... Theologians have sometimes understood God's goodness as including uh, the, both the moral and, the, and uh, other kinds, but we, we really get this idea of this what we just read. We're talking about the perfections of God. God is perfect. His perfections, or some people would call them His excellencies. In a broad sense, goodness is... Well, what would what would you what did we just read in Matthew five? We're talking about how God conducts Himself, right? God is conducting Himself in a very specific way. Uh, he is He is setting that standard for how we are to act. All right, so here comes. Here, here comes uh, our enemy. We, we, it's okay for us to hate him, and then we consider the very nature of God. What is God doing towards those that hate him? He's giving him rain. Amen? <laughs> He's giving him gifts. He is showing them mercy. He is showing them kindness. I, I, so I was listening to something yesterday about this AMA fighter who has decided that Christianity is weak, and he's decided he's going to convert to Muslims, to to or not to 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 a Muslim, and because he's the only one that they see he sees fighting back against an evil and an immoral culture, 
And that leads us, um, and he sees Christianity as, as, as just passively allowing all this evil to happen. Well, I can say that God has, first of all, is not passive towards evil, but God is merciful. He has bore with you and me for a long, long time. He has bore, he is in his mercy, has not destroyed America yet. Amen? We, 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 we would talk about this idea of him long-suffering, but here in Matthew, what does he do to his enemies? Well, generally, or more specifically, he loves them. He shows a love, but he is good to them. He gives merciful and gracious gifts to them. So, so we could almost say that, 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 that God, God's, uh, God, God's nature is setting a standard. I'm glad you all don't treat me with absolute justice, right? Uh, I'm glad that there, there, there is something of the nature of God uh, uh, being displayed in your character because you all are long-suffering with me like God is. There are times where I've, I've offended. There are times where I've done this or that or, or, ha- or haven't lived up to this standard. And, and you, you could rightly and justly uh, discount me, right? But you all have been merciful with me. I've been merciful with you as well. That's the character of God we're talking about. Uh, the, the question of the standard uh, of criteria is very important uh, so when we're talking, uh, talking about God being good, we could say that God is the standard of moral perfection. He's the moral standard of how we should be. I don't recommend you spend a whole lot of time, uh, unless you just really want to, reading classical philosophy like uh, Plato and Aristotle and other things. By the way, if you read Aristotle's um, Nicomachean Ethics, uh, it'll just make you a pagan version of a Pharisee. That's all it's going to do for you. It's not going to be real ethics. Uh, Plato, Plato uh, describing Socrates and apparently his own, uh, his own idea of what, it, of what is good, came to the idea, or, or came to the dichotomy, possible dichotomy, uh, by asking questions, do the gods command piety because of its intrinsic nature, or, or uh, are things good because the gods wish them to be good? And of course, he came to the idea that there is this intrinsic goodness that exists in a form but it was non-personal, and it never could, it never, it could never differentiate between what persons actually do. Uh, it only exists in some form out there somewhere that there is this ethical standard. So that's not the way God is. All right, so we don't have God, and God commands us to do good because there are some law above God that gives a standard by which God is communicating to us. God is goodness. Therefore, when God commands us to do well to others, God is communicating His own nature. 
He is telling us to be like Him in this aspect. So, goodness is God's own character. It's an attribute. So, so it is objective, like Plato was looking for objective moral values, but he found, tried to find it in some principle when the Scriptures say, no, it's a person. God is good. Does that make sense so far? God is good. So, it, so there's not some impersonal law floating around out there that says, thou shalt not kill. <laughs> right? I, I, that's not, there, there is a God who is good in and of himself and says don't kill because that's an expression of his nature. So it's a personal quality. It's not an impersonal form. God commands his creatures to imitate his character. Right? That's what we just read. We read that we are to imitate His character in doing good even to those that hate us. Not punch them in the nose like the AMA fighter that became a, just converted to Islam because he wants, to, he wants a violent way to, to, deal with, uh, to, to deal with the people who hate God. Um, and sees us as a bunch of Sissies for turning the other cheek. No, he, we're, we're imitate. Be holy as I am holy. We are to imitate God's characters, um, and and, the, and this these commands for us to treat people certain ways are not arbitrary, but they're grounded in His eternal nature. You know what God is before He created. He was good. Who was he good to? <laughs> he was good within himself. That's a, that, that, that is the, the, uh, the Trinitarian doctrine that God is good. I mean, what do, you, what do you have in Islam? You have a God that can't be good. Not in his nature. He has to create in order to have any kind of relationship in which goodness can be displayed. Does that make sense? Uh, same with the God of Jehovah's Witnesses and the Unitarian God and everything else. He's not good. Those are good gods. They are gods that created and decided arbitrarily to show goodness and mercy. No, God, the God of the Scriptures, is this. He is good. Uh, I don't know how much time I have left. I don't have much time at all. I want to finish this thought here. Um, so, so our valuation of human life, for instance, is, uh, comes from this idea of God being good. Uh, goodness is the conduct that meets God's standards when we're referring to us, uh, His standard of goodness. The scriptures usually speak of goodness in a narrower sense, uh, as benevolence, um, frame says, uh, one who acts on a, as a benefit of the other. Examples of God good, uh, good, God's goodness are everywhere in the scriptures. Um, he's the source of all blessings to us. Uh, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from where? God. You're, enjoy, you're, you're enjoying the breath that you have right now because God's good. 
That gift came from God, that gift of, uh, of uh, movement and, and uh, the, the fact that we're going to have food later and it's going to be good and it's going to taste good and we've we got taste buds to correspond to all those spices. They tell us that there's a good God. Amen? Um, he's the source of all blessings. He is the source of all merciful uh, mercifulness. I, I love Psalm 100. Uh, where it says, the Lord, for the Lord, verse 5, Psalm, Psalm 105, the Lord is good. There's your, that, there's your attribution. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. Uh, surely the Lord is good to Israel. Psalm 145, uh, or Psalm 73, 1. Psalm 145, 9 says, good, He is good to all. His mercy is over all. Things like forgiveness and things like uh, mercies flow from His goodness. And yes, there is going to be a higher idea that we're going to get to next week when we talk about His uh, specifically, not just Him being good, but Him being loved uh, in a greater sense of the word. But, but we experience that, first of all, even before we become objects of His love, we are already objects of His goodness. When did he do good? When did he do good towards us in, in working our salvation? When we were enemies. Amen. When we were enemies, he died for us. Romans 5:8. He was good to us when we were opposed to him. So when we talk about his love next week and we dig deeper into this God is love, we've already have, have this foundational idea that he is good and he was good to us. And he's good to all. He's good to those that will never be saved. Never be saved. He will send his rain and give good food and give good crops and he... There is nobody in, on this earth that can say God was not good to me. They can't. Because God was and is good to all. He makes his every good gift and every good, perfect gift comes from above, comes down from the Father of lights. Um, and by the way, he says that this ought to be the motivation of every sinner to turn to him. The goodness of God leads you to repentance. It should. And by the way, you're, the people who are unsaved will be morally or will be shown to be morally responsible for the refusal to repent based on what? God being good to them. There was no reason for them to lift their fist against the one that gave them every single breath, gave them every single ability gave them every single meal that they ate, everything that they had, and it's going to be their guilt when they see how good God was to them and yet they refuse to repent. Even in hell, what did he say of the rich man? He said, you in your life have enjoyed the good things. How stinging that was when you know, at that point he just wanted a drop of water and there was no way. And he was reminded how good God was. God is good. And 
that's that's a that's a truth that will spring even that that will continue even in hell for all eternity for those that hate God that God is good I hope you receive something next week we're going to go from goodness to love and uh, we're going to we're going to take that next step but I thought I believe that idea of his goodness was important for us to understand who God is um, so so uh, any questions complaints or grievances Mm-hmm. <laughs>